0: Blog Talk Radio Driving on that man's wet
1: on the wheel.
0: It's talking in circles. There's
1: a the voice in my head that drives my heel. With
0: your hosts, Clayton Caldwell. My
1: baby calling and I need you here.
0: And John Harlow. And it's
1: a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Good evening everybody. Welcome, Talking in Circles. Clayton Caldwell and John Harlow here with you tonight. Talking about the news of the NASCAR world here this week. And honestly, John, when I woke up this morning, I was thinking, well, we could dive into the short track talk that Kevin Harvick and Tony Stewart touched on at the end of the race on Sunday at Phoenix. We could touch on a few other things. It was nice to see Bush uh, come in and re-sign a deal to be the poll sponsor. But all that gets trumped. On my way home today, I got a text from my brother that said, Lowe's. Long-time sponsor Lowe's leaving Hendrick Motorsports and NASCAR at the end of the 2018 season. And I couldn't believe my eyes, but it's true. Uh, Hendrick Motorsports, Lowe's, their partnership will no longer be gone. Jimmy Johnson will be sponsorless. And, and let me just say this before we dive in, because there's a lot to talk about here. And you can join the show, 917-889-8280 here, Talking Circles, Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow. You can also uh, hit us up on Twitter, at Talking End Circles. You can also find us on Facebook and ask us a question on there as well. Talking in circles on Facebook.com. But let me say this: you know, I thought there would be a day that Lowe's would leave this 48 team. There's no doubt; nothing lasts forever. I put that in an article actually this week about this 48 team, and and I, I'll touch on what I talked about in that article another day. But nothing lasts forever. And you, you would expect Lowe's to eventually leave this team. I was surprised a year ago when they announced they were signing an extension that it was, all for, it was for all 36 races. But that's what I thought would happen to Lowe's. Apparently, they're not doing very good financially. They're not as, as profitable as the Home Depot, their top competitor. So they probably wanted to scale back. But when you think scale back, you think 18 races, maybe even 16 or 12. They're off completely. And this is the most successful driver in nascar now losing his entire sponsorship for the 2019 season shocking news today at hendrick motorsports here john
0: yeah it kind of surprised me i mean you look at Lowe's; they um seem to be struggling a little bit financially but then again who isn't in this economy but you've got home depot do it with Lowe's and home Depot and see who could, and they would run ads against each other. It's like, well, Tony won, he climbed the fence and then Jimmy wins. And Jim, there's a different uh, sponsor package with a different thing. Somebody could get, if they go to Lowe's, if Jimmy Johnson won the race, uh, this was one that shocked me. It wasn't that Lowe's I figured Lowe's would go away from the 48. Eventually. But when they're chasing an eighth championship and they've been on the hood for all seven and Lowe's has been in this sport, I believe they were on and off before, but they came on with Skinner when he first went to cup in the 31 car for Childers. And then when he wasn't doing so good and they created the 48 team, boom, they go to the 48 and magic happens. Um, And you couldn't have asked for a better brand ambassador than Jimmy Johnson. Didn't get you in trouble with the, he didn't go out there going crazy on anybody. Very good corporate. Uh, always thanked the uh, employee owners of Lowe's and always talked about the people at Lowe's and how great it was to shop there and always sue any kind of special they had going in whenever he's in a post-race interview. you did not get a better ambassador for a sponsor than Jimmy Johnson was. Um, you and I were talking about this when it, right after the announcement was made. And one of the things that I'm wondering, how much of this is, I mean, Lowe's may be having some financial trouble. I'm not the accountant, so I don't really know. But I'm looking at it. If I'm a sponsor, and they're probably paying $30 bucks a year to be on that 48 car, and Monster Energy's paying $20 million to sponsor the entire series, something doesn't add up. And this is probably that moment where they're in Daytona Beach, trying to figure out how to cap than right now and they don't know what to do with it.
1: Oh, listen, I think this is, you know, we've seen big sponsors leave. We were talking about it off air before the show and we just did a quick, you know, thought and a run through. We saw, you know, UPS was a big sponsor. That's no longer around. Um, Red bull, you know, um, farmer's insurance with Casey Kane is gone. A lot of these sponsors, though, left because the team or the drivers they were with weren't very successful. I mean, when UPS got to David Reagan, they thought they would win a lot of races, and they didn't. The Home Depot, when the Home Depot was with the 20 car and Tony Stewart, they were winning a lot of races. As soon as Joe Logano got there, and he was young and inexperienced, they stopped winning races, so they left. Um, and I think NASCAR, and I, I remember somebody, the head of their sponsorship deals going on Dave Despain's show and saying, well, these sponsors are leaving because they're not competitive. Right now, there is no doubt. There's nobody more competitive than Jimmy Johnson. He is the number one guy um, as far as competitive goes. In the last 15 years, the guys won 83 races and seven championships. You can't do much better than that. And for Lowe's to sit there and go, you know what? It's really not worth it anymore for us to do it. Yeah, they're having financial woes, uh, according to some people but like I said, you know, you would expect them to say even if we cut back our NASCAR presence in half, they're still on the on the 48 car for 18 races. So, they must not feel like they're getting a lot out of their NASCAR sponsorship deal right now, and that's not good. And and again, we could dive into this and get into a lot of different things, but I think the most alarming part is is the fact that they're out entirely and they were, they've been very, very competitive the last 15 years. One of the
0: things I can honestly say is I, used to, I worked for the Army. That is my regular job. I worked at a recruiting battalion whenever um, the Army was sponsoring, and I believe it was Niemicek in the 01 back then. And the Army was putting 10 to $15 million a year into that program. And the same thing whenever it went to Stuart Haas. The last three years, the Army was on a NASCAR race car. Do you know how many soldiers raised their right hand? How many young men and women raised their right hand and swore to protect and defend the Constitution because they signed up at a NASCAR race? Seven. $15 million for seven people to become soldiers. Yeah. That's, and that's obviously Congress got involved and said, Hey, we pay for this. No, we're not, you're not spending army money to be on a NASCAR. And that's why the national guard went away. The air force somehow has been able to get the exception to do uh, a couple races a year for Richard Petty motorsports. But it's not, they, they would, the army would put out a huge presence at every race. They would put the rock wall out there. They'd have, dozens of recruiters there they'd have the uh recruiting vans there and put a big presence out at every race and they got seven contracts over the last three years of people willing to join the army that's a hell of a lot of money to go to waste and i'm not sure i mean i don't know what they're getting on the return of investment they can say yeah we've got this amount of time of advertising because jimmy johnson's hoods Running on Fox, well, there's less people in the stands. There's less people watching TV. um, And Johnson this year, the last year, hasn't been all that competitive. One of the differences between Lowe's and Home Depot, when Home Depot came off the car, that's when Bob Nardelli left as president of Home Depot, and they got a new president and changed the way that Home Depot advertises. Home Mm -hmm. Depot is the number one radio advertiser in the United States but they pulled their money off the car and sunk it into radio advertising. I think with Jimmy Johnson, this has to ring a red flag up there in Daytona. Every bell and whistle has got to be going off saying, good God, you have a car that is got a seven-time champion in it. It's never missed the playoffs. You've got the crew chief who's been there for seven championships. You're in probably the most stable organization that there's been. And they're walking away entirely. And it's not just because a lot of these cars are losing sponsors because their driver has sucked. You look at Target going away. Kyle Larson is one of the future stars of this sport.
1: And they Target had walked future. away. Yeah. Um,
0: Miller Lite, you've got Brad Keselowski, who's a champion, makes the playoffs, wins races. Miller Lite's cut back from a full season down. Kevin Harvick, the first year at Seward Haas, won a championship with Budweiser on the car. But Budweiser is like, well, we didn't do so great with Childress and Harvick, but we'll come with you. They scaled back, and now they're, Bush is down to 10, 15 races. It's more Jimmy yeah. John's than it is Bush. It is. And you're seeing great drivers who are championship quality, I mean, Home Depot was basically backing out of the sport. They got Dollar General to replace Home Depot at Joe Gibbs, and Matt Kenseth was winning races. Dollar General goes away,
1: and that was another one where a general manager stepped in and changed changed the way they. Same thing with GoDaddy dot com, changed the mm-hmm. way they wanted to advertise, and backed out of the sport. Is it the fact here, John? You think a little bit to where, and and this was something a discussion over the off season, and this is something that needs to be brought up because this is, um, you know, I didn't bring it up during the off season. It was brought up by Kyle Bush and the veterans and Kurt Bush's brother as well where maybe NASCAR is a little bit at fault for this, for how they've promoted their drivers recently, where you have a guy who's won seven championships in 83 races, a first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt about it, top 10 driver of all time, and he doesn't really get promoted all that much. Instead, we're focusing our attention on the Daniel Suarez of the world, the Eric Joneses of the world, the young Ryan Blaney's of the world, and those kids are the future, no doubt about it. But, you know, Jimmy Johnson winning seven championships does – I guess what I'm trying to ask is, does winning championships and winning races mean all that much anymore for sponsorships? Or is it just, well, if if NASCAR likes the personality, your sponsor is going to get a lot of publicity because they're the ones sort of in control of publicity. What are your thoughts on that? I
0: think one of the best interviews, one of the best uh, sponsor guys, one of the best guys you can hear from, (coughs) excuse me, is Clint Boyer. And Clint Boyer has Haas automation on the car because since Clint Boyer got to the 14, they've not been able to. Clint Boyer has not run as bad as Tony Stewart did the last two years in that car. Clint Boyer was respectable last year. Clint Boyer's in the top 10 in points this year. Um, I think part of it is, and I don't think it's the young guns being promoted. I mean, you look, Matt Kenseth is a race-winning driver. You can put Matt Kenseth in decent equipment right now, and he'll put it in the top 10. You put Matt Kenseth in that um, 27 car that Childress had, it's going to be a top 10 car. But they couldn't get sponsorship. I think part of it is the sponsors are not seeing return on investment. We're seeing that, yeah, if you go out there, you get this amount of advertising time but you don't know what the dollars and cents are of how many people are coming into Lowe's and buying hard, buying hardware, buying wood, buying whatever they need for their house because they saw Jimmy Johnson on Sunday. And the dollars these days are so tight that everybody is looking at what does this mean for my organization? Can't, um, just do the, throw the money at the wind because everybody's got a board of directors to follow. Everybody's got stockholders to follow. The stockholders want dividends on what they're investing. They don't want to see $30 million go to a NASCAR team and they're not seeing $70 million in sales
1: because of the 30 million. No, I agree with you. And and I think, you know, here's something else that I, I, I think you, you saw, you know, Kevin Harvick made headlines this week, and he made headlines again last night uh, on his show Happy Hours on Series X of NASCAR Radio. Um, he was very, very outspoken, very open about the fact about ISC and uh, the short tracks and, and how they need to get back to the grassroots racing. I think everybody who listened to that agrees with that. Any other Anybody of the sport says, I agree with that. But he also came out and he gave – the the figure for what ISC made profit wise last season, 165, I believe around there is what he said million dollars, um, is about what he said last. night. I can't remember the exact number, but that's where I I believe is what he said last night. Either way, I think this is the drivers getting a little concerned because right now you look at it, and we talk about Kenseth, Matt Kenseth losing his ride, um, you know. These guys had to take pay cuts. Last year, there's no doubt in my mind, Brad Keselowski took a little bit of a pay cut. Um, We know Kurt Busch was was holding out for a while because he didn't want to take a pay cut. William Byron got the five and and Alex Bowman got the 88 because they were making less money. Um, I think these drivers are looking at it going, whoa, whoa, whoa. How can ISC make $165 million and – not give that back to the race teams and not give us that back to us. And we have to charge so much for our sponsorship just to make a 36 race schedule, because we don't get that much back from the racetracks where the racetracks make 165 million a year. And we're not, we would like to even $60 million more to our teams. That's per, per team. That's almost $2 million a year more. And that'll help us significantly. Um, and and I see still makes a hundred million dollars a year. So, I think that last night, I think, you know, usually these these guys in the sport usually know a week or two ahead of time of stuff that we don't know about and is released. I think part of why Harvick said and did, did what he did this week, and same thing with Tony Stewart, is the fact that they knew this was coming, and they are starting to panic a little bit because now they're sitting there going, hmm, if Lowe's could leave and they've been that competitive. Who else is next? Who is next? What makes you think that, for example, we talked about Jimmy John's. That was rumored on on Reddit a couple of weeks ago that somebody was saying they might be out. What would it be for Jimmy John's to say, "Well, well, what does Lowe's know that we don't? Let's dig into this a little bit more. And these drivers get a little bit scared. So I think that was a little bit of method beyond their madness this week was looking at it going, ISC and NASCAR need to step up and give us and the teams a little bit more money here.
0: Well, you and I talked about this in the offseason, about how NASCAR is different than any other sport you run into. In the every other sport, when it comes to stick and ball, the owners own the league. And the league works for the owners. You look at the NFL commissioners, work for the owners of the league. Same with the commissioner in baseball. The owners own the league. The owners decide who can be owners. NASCAR, there's the France family and they own NASCAR. And then you've got Bruton Smith and his family and the stockholder at Speedway Motorsports and you've got Lisa France the France family. But the people putting the cars on, people putting the show together, the people actually, people are there to watch are independent tra- contractors. And they came up with the charter system to hopefully make the team worth something, but that isn't working because you, me, and Lee in Virginia can end up buying a uh, a charter tomorrow if we could find a car and put it out in the track. Hell, Star, Star Racing is looking to put a second car out there because they're putting 37 cars in the field. They figure if at least we put a car out there that runs 30 laps, we're going to make enough money to make our day. So it's just the sport is struggling there's too many people in Daytona who have gotten so rich so fat and so used to just the back up the Brinks truck it's it must be Sunday I'm gonna get some money today and they forgot that there are people who make the sport go not the France family not the Bruton Smiths not the um, I mean you look we talked about it in the off-season and again, how much of the con- how much of the TV contract goes to the tracks,
1: and how much? It's sixty five, thirty five, around there. You know. Also, I think this is a you can look at this from several angles, and here's another angle I want to touch on: is what does this mean for Hendrick Motorsports and, and Jimmy Johnson right now? You know, I heard somebody on the radio coming coming to uh, coming to do the show tonight, and somebody was saying. This is the end for Jimmy Johnson. He's going to retire at the end of the year, da 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 And I don't think it's the end for Jimmy Johnson at all. Um, I think Hendrick Motorsports is a big enough team to overcome this. I think they will eventually find sponsorship for Jimmy Johnson. But again, I touched on it earlier in the show. I think Jimmy Johnson might have to take a pay cut. I think the teams on – the crew chiefs and the crew members on this team might have to take a pay cut. And they might have to sit there and go, okay, Lowe's was giving us $30 million. Let's get back to reality and get back in the ballpark and find a sponsor that can do it for less than that. Because we're not going to get that anymore because the sport just isn't there. It just isn't there right now. Um, And that's unfortunate. But I don't think as far as Jimmy Johnson is concerned, this is something to be worried about as far as Jimmy's career. Um, Lowe's and Jimmy had a great run. I think when you look at what Jimmy's done, I mean, who wouldn't want to be in with that team? I mean, you you, you can win on a weekly basis. Like you said, he'd made the chase every single year. Um, it just makes you wonder if winning is means that much anymore, as I touched on earlier. But what do you think this means for Jimmy Johnson? Um, is this the beginning of the end of his career because Lowe's is backing out? Or is this a little blip on the radar for him? Well, I think the old trick i think jimmy johnson's
0: closer to retirement than he is in a championship i don't know if Lowe's is the nail in the coffin because jimmy johnson said uh last week no i'm not too old to be doing this i'm fine i still have the same energy i still have the same desire to win but he had to make a point of it that he wasn't too old because the rumors are starting to creep up there okay jimmy 42 he's got a hot wife he's got or getting into school most of the school year in Colorado last year because that's where he put his family they're living in Aspen and he would been for the competition meeting and come to the race he wasn't involved in the team as much as he has been but the thing is you see how this has worked you used to think uh, STP and Richard Petty and STP went away but part of that's because Richard Petty Motorsports are back then um, Uh, Petty Enterprises was not doing well.
1: You always thought Good Wrench hurt Richard Childress. And they still have a presence on that 43 car. To this day, STP, I mean, they're not as big as companies they were and sponsorships really changed, but STP is still a part of that 43 team. Lowe's is not going to have anything to do with that 48 car next year. That's, to me, the most surprising part.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I was just saying, there's some things that have changed in the years. It was always uh, Good Wrench and RCR. Even after uh, Dale Earnhardt died, RCR had good rents with Kevin Harvick a good five years. It used to be DuPont and Jeff Gordon. And DuPont got, was going into bankruptcy, sold off their uh, paint division, and became Exalta. But their presence dropped. I mean, it's one of those things that, like you said, 18 years with one organization, that's one of those things that you, and they even have an article on Jayski about Jimmy Johnson's going to have to rebrand himself what's the chances next year that he comes out of the car after Daytona and says, boy, we had a great low Chevy. Oh, wait a minute. Uh-huh. We had the great, uh, uh, Aquafina super water, whatever it's going to be Chevy. I think part of it is NASCAR is, I think NASCAR made a big mistake because they felt they had to have the title sponsor and they took the monster energy offer at 20 million a year and Lowe's is paying $30 million to be on Jimmy Johnson's car. And you're seeing the trickle-down economics around all the race teams because nobody's paying $30 million a year now. There's only one real full-time sponsor outside of uh, Lowe's, and that's FedEx for Denny Hamlin. But then there's still a couple races a year where sports clip, Sport Clips goes on there. That's uh, the closest and, and thing you have to a full-year sponsorship.
1: It is. And and Shell Penzo, too, with Logano, but I think he's got a couple uh, off as well. But Shell Penzoil is pretty close with Logano, too. But, mm-hmm. you know, FedEx, and that's the one that, that gets con- concerning to me is because their competitors gone, too. And I think when you when you lose competitors in this sport, as far as other companies that – you know, Burger King and McDonald's are competitors – Um Home Depot and Lowe's. Once we lost Home Depot, you kind of sat there and go, "Was the next foot going to drop? What about FedEx? There's really, Is there a reason for FedEx to be in NASCAR if UPS isn't in it? It makes you sit there and scratch your head and go, well, oh, come on. FedEx has a 36-race sponsorship deal with Denny Hamlin, and they're not going anywhere. Yeah? Lowe's had a 36-sponsorship race deal with Jimmy Johnson in the last 18 years, and they're gone at the end of the year. But you brought up a good point about Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt before. This to me is like exactly like those two, with their sponsorship presence and 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 when you think about their race cars, and you think about the image of those drivers, you got two iconic images: Richard Petty in the 43 STP, and Dale Earnhardt in the three GM Goodwrench. Now, obviously, he had Wrangler as well in his career, and was not driving the three his entire career earlier. But Earnhardt really made a, a presence when everybody sees that black three Goodrich car. Everybody knows what that is. You can say the same thing about the 48 Lowe's car. The Lowe's 48 car, everybody's going to know who that is, and they're going to go, wow, that is a staple in NASCAR. No longer. So this is almost like if GM Goodrich left Dale Earnhardt in the middle of his career or STP left Richard Petty in the middle of his career. And they were still competitive. Now, Richard Petty went a long time where he wasn't competitive at the end of his career. And they weren't great, you know, even after he left for a while. And STP was there the whole time. Um, You know, and GM Goodrich obviously couldn't experience that the end of Dale Earnhardt's career with GM Goodrich. But they were happy the entire time they were there. And he was competitive the entire time. That, to me, is what's alarming is we've never really seen this where a – major, major, iconic ride with an iconic sponsorship who's still very competitive in the sport, and they go, we don't want to be a part of it anymore. We don't want to continue that partnership. That, to me, is alarming. I think one of the best ad
0: campaigns I ever saw was Dale
1: Jarrett, I Want to Drive the Truck
0: whenever he had UPS on the 88. And whenever Dale and uh, Robert Yates Racing started sliding... I mean you look Texaco Havoline was the 28 car from the minute Robert Yates got his hands on it with Davy Allison and then Texaco Havoline went away. One of the reasons Shell Pennzoil oil is su- such a lock with Roger Penske is because Shell is the and Pennzoil oil is the oil that Roger Penske puts in his Penske rental trucks. The only oil that will ever be used in those trucks is Pennzoil. oil. It's almost a business to business deal. Not I mean I don't know how much money involved in that. But because Roger Penske has all the rental trucks, that's why Shell Pensoil went to Penske and left Richard Childers. They were happy with Kevin Harvick, but when Roger Penske goes, I will buy Pennzoil Motor Oil and put it in each one of my Penske Rental trucks. That's going to make you think. That's a business-to-business relationship where there's money going into Penske to sponsor the race cars, but the money coming out of Penske Reynolds is probably making it up three times more.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I just think it, it's – when you look at it and you think about what um, what that image is of that 48 car, it's it's stunning to me that that, that won't be a long, around – next season nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. talking circles you're with clayton caldwell and john harlow here with you tonight we're talking about the the news of the day lowe's home improvement stores leaving hendrick motorsports at the end of the year and jimmy johnson and they're also exiting nascar at the end of the year as well uh not going to be a presence and shocking it really is shocking news there's so much you can dive into this in uh you know and I want to talk about the 48 team as a whole, too, because I think when you look at the 48 team, they're such an interesting team because they are so good, and they've been around for so long, and they've been um, just so competitive. I did an article this week for com on, um, on their newsletter, and I pointed at the fact that this 48 team not really being as competitive as they have been. And for a year, this 48 team has been off, it feels like. you know Their last win was Dover in June. And they just struggled. They really have. And, and they're struggling getting their arms around a Camaro. And I was listening to Darian Grubb this week, and he said he thinks that they're once they get back to the East Coast that they can sort of put these cars through a second time and build these cars a second time, they're going to be much better than where they were the first time. With that being said, John, are you concerned at all about how this 48 team is running this year? And with now the fact that they have sponsorship trouble for the first time ever, do you think that this year – is it, is it important for them to make the chase this year more than ever? Uh, what are your thoughts?
0: Well, I'll be honest with you. If, if Jimmy Johnson doesn't make the chase, I, I will be beyond shocked. If Jimmy Johnson doesn't make the chase, that's where he, he will say, okay, I'm done. Jimmy Johnson doesn't know what it's like not making the playoffs. He's made it every year of his career. Um, I think they're struggling getting their hands around the Camaro. I think part of it is Chase Elliott hasn't been in anything else. I mean, he's been in the uh, SS for a couple years, but not enough to have the habits that Jimmy Johnson has. I mean, you look, one of my favorite things to discuss, I mean, if you look at Tony Stewart's downfall, when they took the horsepower away and the downforce at the same time, Tony Stewart didn't know, how to, didn't know how to explain to Chad Johnson what was wrong with the car. He just says, I can't figure it out. I can't control it. I can't do this or either. So it might be one of those ones where Jimmy just can't get his hands around to explain to Chad what's wrong with the car. Or Chad just can't figure out with all his um, 18 years of notes all the different things that Jimmy. when Jimmy says this, this is what I do, and the car doesn't respond to it. So it's probably a combination of Jim. Chad doesn't know how to fix it and Jimmy doesn't know how to tell him what's wrong with it. That's what I think is going on right now. And I think Gary and Grubb's right when they get back to the East Coast and get a chance to build their um, Camaro 2.0, because you notice they probably go two, three different iterations throughout a regular season of, okay, we've got this chassis and it kicked butt, but we think we found something better. So, if a car lacks a whole in any more so I think when they get back and they build new cars and do the next go around, I think they will be much better.
1: Let me ask you this. And I think we touched on a little bit last show and I just want to get your opinion on it. Has the magic between Jimmy and Chad, is it gone? Do you think, um, am I, am I over exaggerating this slump to where it's just a slump and I'm look there, you're looking at it and going, well, you know, you're kind of being ridiculous because it's just a slump or is there something significant going on where you sit there and go, They've been together 17 years. Uh, they're, maybe, they're, maybe they're not, you know, um, pushing each other as hard as they once did. You know, maybe they're getting a little bit complacent. Is it a possibility that Chad and Jimmy might break up here at the end of the year or, or here in, in, the next, in the near future? What are your thoughts? If they go to Dover
0: and they run like they did at Phoenix and they run like they did in Atlanta – then we'll have reason to be worried. Jimmy Johnson and Dover, Johnson sucks at Martinsville. That's another one to beat. That's your first red flag. Jimmy Johnson's won more grandfather clocks than you and I have seen in our lives. And if he struggles at Martinsville and is a 15th place car fighting to stay on the lead lap or taking the lucky dog to stay on the lead lap, that's something, that's your first uh, red flag of concern. If he does the same thing at Dover, that's the second one. And whenever it gets to the, if they don't make the playoffs, I think Jimmy hangs it up.
1: Really? See, I I think Jimmy's got two years left, three years left, in no matter what in it, in him, no matter what. At least, I think he's in, in great physical shape. I think he's mentally wants to win, still wants to win, still wants to be there. I just don't know if the chemistry between Chad and Jimmy is what is what it once was, and I think it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on the rest of the year. Um, I, don't but think Jimmy, the, I don't think, I don't think Jimmy can handle not being Jimmy Johnson.
0: Um, you've seen drivers at the end where they start fading off. I don't think Jimmy's going to be that guy. Jeff Gordon retired at about the right time because he was still able to win races. He was still competitive. If Jimmy Johnson's not competitive. He will walk away. He reminds me a lot of Tom Brady. Whenever you hear Brady say, I want to play till I'm 45, blah, blah, blah. And they ask him, how will he know when it's time? He says, when I suck. If I suck, I'm done. And Jimmy Johnson is, I mean, for Jimmy Johnson's standards, he sucked lately. For mm-hmm. most everybody else, whoever dreams of being in NASCAR, they would take what he's doing right now, tw- I mean, every day and twice on Sundays. You're but right. in Jimmy Johnson's land, he sucks, and he wants to be Jimmy Johnson, not the 15th place car or sitting 26th in points like he is right now.
1: Yeah, uh, listen, I just, I still think he's got two or three years left in him. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see what sponsor comes by. You know, uh, Hendrick Motorsports. When you look at them, they've lost a lot of sponsorship here recently. Uh, the five car, they basically lost almost everything on that five car from last year between Great Clips and Farmers Insurance. It's now the 24. They got, they got Liberty University with, with William Byron, so that helps them a lot. Uh, Chase does a very good job of selling sponsorship between Napa Auto Parts, uh, Hooters. Um, he's got uh, Mountain Exalta, Mountain Dew. He's got um, Sun Energy on that car as well. Uh, Bowman's got some decent sponsorship as well with Nationwide. Uh, Exalta there on that car as well. Um, but there's still some open spaces, I believe, on that 24 car. And now that 48, you're looking at a 36 race hole to fill. Um, are you concerned well, all about that?
0: Motorsports?
1: stepped up on a 24 to fill it up. The thing with
0: Bowman, though, you got to look at, Nationwide did a one-year extension. Mm. They're doing a show-me position on Bowman. So if Bowman doesn't uh, light the world on fire, it could be where Hendrick Motorsports is sitting there with the twenty with the 48 and 88 where they have to sell sponsorship to. Because Exalta, I don't know how much they're paying for the 88. Exalta wanted William Byron, and they're over there with him with the Liberty University. And they're filling spaces with the 88 car. I don't know how much of Exalta would be there if it wouldn't be saying, hey, we've got only so much space on the 24. We'll put you on the 88. And I'm not sure if they want to do that. If if Nationwide walks away next year, Hendrick Motorsports is in trouble.
1: And what does that say for NASCAR? I mean, I, I just read an article, and it was actually really good, a roundtable conversation between uh, some ESPN writers. Ryan McGee brought up this point, and I'll give him a lot of credit for it. Think about Lowe's. Lowe's actually used to, and people for, and not that people forget this, but I forgot this. Just, just going through my brain because it was such a shock today that you don't think about this, but... Lowe's used to be a major sponsor at Charlotte Motor Speedway. They sponsored that racetrack for a good decade. Uh, they're a Charlotte-based company. Um, so they were heavily involved in NASCAR. And to not be involved at all in 2019, uh, that's crazy to me. It's just, you know, and he said, he reiterated my thoughts earlier too, as well as, you know, you thought you'd see him scale back because every company has. And, and that would have been understandable. Um, but this one just, it, it's just so surprising. But, you know, to get back to the Hendrick Motorsports thing quick, is there a possibility? I mean, this is a team that has won, what, 13, 14 championships in their entire existence. They've got, uh, they've had a bunch of great drivers, and they're sort of rebuilding their organization from the bottom up. Jimmy's a veteran there. Chase is, is a young kid. And then they've got two guys who are still learning how to drive these cars with Alex Bowman and uh, William Byron. So they're sort of in a re- rebuilding stage, with, which helps them a little bit. But this is a big blow for that team um, and that organization. You know, what do you think as far as Hendrick Motorsports feels about this?
0: I'll tell you, I just flipped up the article we were talking about. Ricky Craven almost says it perfectly when he asked um, what the ranking is on 1 to 10 of Lowe's leaving the sport when it comes to uh, Jimmy Johnson and Hendrick Motorsports. And Ricky Craven said it's a 9.5 because the economy is as strong as it's been. But the viability of sponsorship is beyond weak. And it's not because NASCAR doesn't offer value. It's because corporate America in the Great Recession has become very specific in the way it spends its advertising dollars. Um, I also do some radio work. And one of the things that uh, uh, Jacobs Media put out is the return on investment for a dollar of radio advertising is nine. So for every dollar of radio advertising, you're going to get $9 return on investment is what the average is. So for that, if you're going to put $30 million into a race team and you should be getting $270 million return on investment. I don't see that being there. I mean, no matter what you say, I don't see that coming. Again, I go back to the army recruiting thing and you know, there's a lot of, 18- to 34-year-old guys out there watching NASCAR, especially in the South. And the South is a very patriotic bunch of people, and they got seven contracts out of it. So I don't think – we've talked about this for the last year. The business model for NASCAR has to change. It has to change quickly, and it has to completely – somehow get upside down because the business model for NASCAR right now is broken. Moody was talking about it when they were uh, talking about the short track stuff this afternoon. There's people out there like the race in series. Harvick's going to race in his hometown of uh, Bakersfield, California. There's 21 entries. The winner of that race might get ten grand. How much how big's that tire bill? How much are you paying to lease that engine? How much does that car cost to build? If you don't have the sponsor, you're not making your money back in the purse. You're losing money on the purse. Yeah.
1: And, and I think that's everywhere. And that's
0: short tracks everywhere.
1: Mm-hmm. No doubt about that. I think that's everywhere. And, and, um, you know, they brought up some good points this week. I do agree that, um, I would like to see NASCAR have more presence in the grassroots racing. Um, I do agree that it's not just Phoenix that that's gotten away from the grassroots roots racing. I think when you look at like Richmond, which used to hold the Denny Hamlin uh, short track showdown for years, and now they've gotten rid of that as well. Uh, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. That they, that they don't put that race on anymore. Um, I think that's wrong in them to do that because I think a lot of the grassroots fans really, really like that race. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, John, and, and that low, put a bow on this, this Lowe's thing, I, it's, it's scary. There's no doubt. I think for me as a fan, I was shocked. Um, I, and I'm, I'm now officially like, whoa, what can happen? Because that was a company that I thought for sure was pretty solid on solid ground as far as nascar was concerned um and now they're out completely so now you sit there and you're like wow if it can happen with Lowe's, it can happen with anybody uh it really really makes you scratch your head and really makes you concerned for the future that's my final opinion on that Lowe's deal 917-889-8280 talking in circles clayton caldwell john harlow talking anything tonight you want to talk about whether, whether it's Lowe's leaving Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, a little bit of a, of a side note here, so, and I joked with you before the show, and this is the truth. Uh, last week, the, the headline story of Talking Circles on Wednesday was the penalty to Kevin Harvick. Uh, Harvick and his team got fined 25 points, uh, $50,000 fine for Rodney Childers, um, and his car chief got suspended two races for Kevin Harvick for the window brace penalty last weekend after it was found in the NASCAR R&D center on Wednesday well a similar penalty this week and it's on the back pages if if that on on, on page 3 of the newspaper <laughs> of the NASCAR newspaper this week Chase Elliott's team was suspend, was penalized following Sunday's race at Phoenix International Raceway excuse me ISM Raceway now that we call it Elliot and his team were found to be in violation of, of uh, illegal rear end housing. Elliot lost 25 driver and owner points. His crew chief, Alan Gustafson was fined $50,000. And his car chief was suspended for two races. Why not the uproar with this? Is it because it wasn't a win? Or is that Chase Elliott's more popular? What are your thoughts? I think the uproar is
0: <clears throat> you told me about the penalty before the show. And I said, huh? Because all I was thinking about was Lowe's. Because I didn't, I mean, Whenever we were talking pre-show, it's like, what are we going to talk about lows and lows and more lows? And you said, well, Chase Elliott's penalty. I'm like, huh? So I had to look up for it. And then the other part which we're really running into is NASCAR has a great habit of shooting themselves in the foot. So let me read the exact violation to you to see if you actually understand what the hell happened. Section 20.14.2 rear suspension 1I-4 truck trailing arm spacers pinion angle shims E. Uh, the truck trailing arm spacer pinion angle shim mating surfaces must be planar and in complete contract with corresponding mating surfaces at all points and times. What in the hell are they doing? How do I know what that is as Joe Joe Lunchbucket uh, NASCAR fan? I have no clue what the hell the trailing arm spacer does or the pinion angle shim. I didn't even know there was a pinion angle shim. And they're doing it Wednesday after the race. They could be talking about Harvick going for four in a row. They could be talking about Kyle Busch has two seconds and he's closing in on Harvick. And Harvick didn't blow everybody away at Phoenix like he normally does. So maybe somebody's got a chance at California. Kyle Larson going back to his home state and defending the race win that he got last year. No, this week we're talking about one of the biggest sponsors in the sport pulling out and the most popular driver in waiting getting 25 because a truck trailing arm spacer and pinion angle shim did not make contact with the corresponding mating surfaces at all points and at all times. I don't want to know about this. To me, you're just throwing more mud on yourselves. It's like you notice with the like every now and then we compare this to stick and ball sports. The Malcolm Butler thing in the Super Bowl. I'm a diehard Patriots fan. I think Malcolm Butler plays. The Patriots have their sixth ring. Belichick didn't play him. You know what Belichick said after the game? It was a coaching decision. Has it said crap since? Hasn't been brought up. Malcolm Butler's now a member of the Tennessee Titans. And Patriots fans are still Patriots fans. Now you've got people going, was well, Chase Elliott a cheater? Did he finish in the top five because he cheated to make sure that his truck trailing arm and pinion angle shim didn't meet the surface at the same time? Nobody knows. This needs to get to the point, and I was reading um, – some of this stuff earlier this week, they need to kill this um, inspection at the uh, R&D center, having any penalty out of it. They can tear it down after the race and determine if it doesn't fail. If it passes there, that's what happens. If they think there's something else, they can take it back to the R&D center and then go back to them and say, we caught you. You're going you're gonna to lose all practice time. You're going to start at the rear of the field. You're not going to be able to qualify. And we'll see how you do then. But they don't need to keep throwing mud on themselves. You have positive stories coming out of these races and then come Wednesday, all you're talking about is who cheated who, how they got cheated, what happened, why did it happen. Did this mean that where's Chase Points now? If you're numbered, for the love of
1: God, you're shooting yourself in the foot. No wonder sponsors are running away. Tops Chase Elliott, by the way, from 16th to 23rd in the standings with 22 races remaining in the regular season. Uh, What kind of significance that's going to have? It's going to be interesting because, um, you know, with the regular season points now, you get the bonus points for regular season points. That's huge. Um, And so 25 points. And we saw what that did to Joey Logano last year. We saw what that did uh, to an A.J. Allmendinger last year where these teams never recovered from that. Now, I think Chase Elliott's in better shape than those team, two teams were, but you know Hendrick Motorsports is in a little bit of a funk here, and the best running Hendrick Motorsports car got a twenty-five point penalty. So, kind of a, a you know, is it a coincidence? Who knows? But um, the car chief has gone uh, for two races, and I think that's the biggest thing of this whole thing, as well as the points. You know, the fifty thousand dollars fine, whatever. Uh, I don't think that's that really means a whole lot, um, but. You know, losing your car chief's a big deal. Uh also other news today was um AG had A. J. Almendinger had a his car chief uh, suspended indefinitely for, for violation of its substance abuse. Uh and also um five crew chiefs were suspended for loose lug nuts for ten thousand dollars. Mike Willard, Jeremy Bolins, Brian Patty, Todd Gordon, and Cole Pern for each having one lug nut there fined ten thousand dollars a piece. Um so yeah. Interesting stuff coming out of Phoenix as well. We're moving forward to uh, Auto Club Speedway, California, Fontana, a lot of people call it, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Big two-mile track, worn-out racing surface, uh, bumps on the back straightaway, all kinds of things. What do you expect to see this weekend at California Speedway? Kevin Harvick's a guy. A lot of people have been pointing at this track at California Speedway that it's a lot like Atlanta because they got an old surface, The tires are going to be worn down, uh, and Kevin Harvick dominated everybody at Atlanta. you think it's going to be more of the same, John, domination of Kevin Harvick?
0: I think one of the things Harvick's always found the way to do is, no matter how worn out the surface is, Harvick's found a way to be a bottom feeder. A lot of the times when you see the, as cars run and the tires start wearing out, they have to run higher and higher on the track. I mean, hell, you see Larson start up against the wall and try to see how close he can get to it without hitting it most of the race. Harvick tries to stay on the bottom no matter what, and this will be one of the ones. Again, we'll see if Harvick can tune his car to stay on the bottom of the track. If he can keep it on the bottom of the track, I push those are the three people to watch this week. Um, Blaney will be your sleeper. Uh, Logano runs well there. Keselowski runs well there. I think it'll be a veteran-dominated show, and the closest to a young gun that would be up there is Larson, and he's been in the sport five years now.
1: Yeah, no, um, that's usually how it is with these worn-out racetracks and and the tires getting worn down because we just don't see racetracks and and tires do that anymore, and and these veteran drivers who've been around the sport for a long time, the Kurt Bushes, the Kevin Harvicks of the world, um, Ryan Newmans of the world, understand that because they understand tire management because that's how their career is built off of you know a lot of these young kids have just run a hundred percent all the time because the tires never really worn out uh at least like things too and the tracks have been so um you know so smooth they really didn't have to worry about tire management i think that's a part of the sport that's really died recently that that i'd like to see get back to it um and we only really see it twice a year between on on at least a mile and a half tracks between Atlanta and California and both in the beginning of the year. And then we go to Kansas and all these crazy racetracks throughout the year. Um, so yeah, I think um, it's going to be an interesting race. Uh, it's a fast racetrack. The draft's going to play an interesting part in it. Uh, I think horsepower is major. And I think that at, that's where the Ford's have an advantage is their horsepower. Cause when anytime you got a, a Yates horsepower engine, you're going to be really, really fast and Doug, Doug, Yates still builds those engines very, very fast for the Ford's team, Ford teams. Harvick's definitely a favorite this week. I think Kurt Bush is going to be somebody to keep an eye out for. Definitely Kozlowski and Logano and, and Blaney, those three Team Pesky teams. Um, interesting to see what the kind of race the Rash teams have. We haven't really seen Rash perform all that well this year so far. Uh, Stenhouse hasn't really shown anything. Bain hasn't really shown anything for a couple of years now. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are expecting this Rash team to bounce back, and they're one of the teams that have sort of not gotten talked about much early in this year because, you know... And Nothing to talk about. You, right. And when you think about them from five, six years ago, uh, they were a, a big-time team. Right now, they're sort of in the middle of the pack at best on a good day. Um, you know, and I guess what I'm trying to eventually get to is what do you expect from Roush Fenway this weekend, and will we ever see Roush Fenway? This was a track where they used to come here and dominate with, with, Kurt, with Greg Biffle, uh, Kurt Push. Um, you know, Jeff Burton, Mark Martin, uh, Carl Edwards, Matt Kenseth, all those guys ran really, really good here in a rash Ford. Will we ever see Roush Fenway get back to that point here? Um, I guess that's my question. Well, I think
0: one of the things back in the day, you saw Roush Fenway be able to attract, I mean, Jack Roush and Mark Mil- Martin built that team. And then Matt Kenseth came along. Then Biffle. Then, I mean, Johnny Benson was in there at one point. Ted Musgrave in there at one point. But, I mean, you saw Jack Brown to attract talent. Jeff Burton, Carl Edwards. I mean, you look, like you said, five, six years ago, Roush Fenway. Roush Fenway was um, Carl Edwards, Matt Kenseth, Greg Biffle, and David Reagan at one point, but Kurt Bush at one point. I mean, Roush Fenway used to be... McMurray? Where I mean, There were legit drivers in every one of those cars. Trevor Bain's in that car because he brought Advocare. That's the only reason he's in that six car. Trevor Bain is not the driver that Chris Buescher is, but Trevor Bain brings sponsorship, and that's why Trevor Bain's driving the six car. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is one of those borderline guys. He... Could be a hell of a driver if he's in the right stuff. But he's been loyal so far to Jack Roush because Jack Roush gave him a start. Jack Roush took a chance on him. Tony Stewart recommended him because Stenhouse drove Medjic for Stewart and said he's going to be a great driver. And I don't think he's had the equipment under him to show he's a great driver. And I think one of the things you see the difference is uh, Eric Almirola was driving basically Roush Fenway equipment for Richard Petty Motorsports. And Eric Almirola this year in Stuart Haas equipment is a whole different driver.
1: That's a very good point, John. And when you look at Stenhouse's finishes this year, uh, 29th in Daytona, 16th at Atlanta after qualifying sixth, 14th at Las Vegas after qualifying seventh, and just a miserable weekend last weekend at Phoenix. He finished 23rd. They were on that strategy that Kyle Busch was on at the end of the race. Um, but still you know they finished they started 29th, went to a backup car erect in in practice stenhouse he ser- sits you know seventeenth in the standings right now um and he 's they 're definitely their number one driver there. I think Stenhouse's got a lot of talent, I just think like you said, he needs to be um, in the right stuff bain 's kind of been a disappointment since he 's gotten to the Cup series for whatever reason um you know everybody remembers his, his epic Daytona five hundred win. Uh, it was, it was great to see, you know, he finished 22nd in points last year. He was 22nd in points the year before he was 29th in points the year before that. Um, Those you know, are and, Danica and, numbers. No, yeah. And, and that's where you got to be a little bit better. And and so far through this season with Trevor Bain, um, you know, he finished 13th in the Daytona 500, but he blew an engine at Atlanta, finished 35th. And then back-to-back 20th place finishes at Las Vegas and Phoenix, you know, it's just and, – and it's just kind of crazy to me when you look at it and you say, where has Rosh Fenway gone in the last four or five years? And they brought, made some major, major changes inside that organization as far as people. Robbie Rogers out. Kevin Kidd's in there. They got him from Joe Gibbs Racing. Um, you know, Brian Patty's the crew chief. Matt Piusha as well. Uh, I think Brian Patty's a good crew chief. I think Piuscia's a good crew chief. Just doesn't seem to be working right now for that team – uh do you think you know jack's getting older there's no doubt about it he's not he's, his younger days are behind him i don't think he's as involved with the team as he once was um do you think this organization where do you see this organization in five years do you think it's a a um a winning race team and if you know what do they have to do to get to be a winning race team if not um i don't know
0: I know with the drivers that they have right now and the equipment they're putting on the track right now, they're not a winning race team. And if something doesn't happen soon, they're in the same category as go fast, as front row. And Jack's not getting any younger. And it's not like John Henry, the owner of the Red Sox, which is the Fenway part behind it, is sinking any more money into it. I think part of it, it was a one-time investment, and we get our name on it. And Jack's never been great They've never been great at keeping sponsors I mean UPS left I mean UPS went away Crown Royal went away AFLAC went away um, 3M Office went Depot. away I mean so Everything that's gone into Roush Fenway Has pretty much gone I mean even look DeWalt went away
1: From Roush Office Fenway Depot. Next well, side Raveline. Yeah. And they all left Rash.
0: Yep. And they've all gone somewhere else or left the sport entirely, but most of the time they went somewhere else and had more success.
1: Hmm. And
0: it just I don't know what's going to what the key is to fixing it. I know Jack put a lot of work into putting the team better next last year and it showed in Stenhouse, but Bain has not shown anything. Since I mean, other than his win at the Daytona 500, and he doesn't win that race if David Reagan doesn't pull out a line to before the start-finish line, he ends up being a nobody. And you look at the Wood Brothers. They used to get their stuff from Roush Fenway, and they were nothing to write home about when Trevor Bain was driving a Wood Brothers car. When the Wood Brothers partnered with Penske, Ryan Blaney lit the place up. Paul Menard didn't do anything special with uh, RCR, and he's running better with the Wood Brothers than he did at RCR. So I think it was the equi- I mean, it's been the equipment at Roush Fenway for a while. Part of the reason that Carl Edwards and Matt Kenseth and Jeff Burton left. I mean, Jeff Burton took a lateral, if not a drop down, to go from the 99 car to the 31. The thing was, there was sponsorship on the 31. The 99 was running a black hood.
1: Yeah. And then Carl got in that car and did very, very well. And, um, you know, that's just a team that I find interesting because, you know, they just haven't been competitive here for a real long time. And I thought maybe 2018 would be a year where with the Fords are running so good and everybody's talking about the Fords running so good that excludes Roush Fenway racing right now. Um, and that's unfortunate because that's one of the teams that really built Ford racing, uh, into the powerhouse it is today. Uh, and without Jack Roush, you know, Ford's nowhere near where they, where they should be. So, um, you know, with the fact that, that everybody's having success, it's that it's in spite of Rash Fenway. Um, I, I, hopefully this team can figure it out um, in, in the coming weeks, you know, but uh, these mile and a half, these two mile tracks used to be their bread and butters. I remember, you know, you saying, well, you could put a rash car, three rash cars in the top 10 at these places. And that is no longer the case. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to talking in circles tonight. Uh, a great show. Again, um, you could see us here next week after the Auto Club 400 at Auto Club Speedway. We'll see you next time. Good night, everybody.